I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hello, hello. This is Arlen. This is your first million. It is December 2nd. It is a Wednesday. Um, I have just had a conversation with Avery Francis. She is the founder and CEO of a company called Bloom out of Toronto. This one was great. You're going to, I mean, I say that every time, right? But I I mean, (laughs) and actually I don't, um, uh, I, I don't air anything I don't think is great. So this one was really, really cool. And I am, we just recorded it, so I'm getting up, getting it on the site as soon as possible. And uh, I think this is one for anyone who has been thinking about not taking on venture capital, thinking about bootstrapping. Um, Avery was able to have uh, more than a million dollars in revenue over the past year and a half alone after starting her company in a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. She grew her company from one person to nine in that time as well and has no sales team. And so this is just really a great solid 30, 35 minutes of uh, information. We, we cover a lot in this. Um, I will give a trigger warning. There is mention of a, a workplace assault um, that is very delicately handled. And so just a quick trigger warning about that. Um, and yeah, just um, really hope you enjoy it. Leave feedback as always. Go Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Arlen was here, A-R-L-A-N was here. And let us know, let me know, let Avery know, um, let us all know how you liked the episode. And we got some more great, great episodes coming up, including a surprise uh, interview that is happening very soon. It'll happen I would say it's happening in December, but I hope I don't want to jinx it, but it's happening soon. And so that should be really exciting. Okay, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day. And if you don't have a wonderful day tomorrow, hopefully it will be better. I'll see you. Avery. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Can't complain. Um, well, let me just say, I think, uh, let me just start by saying, I think that you probably had the best sort of Twitter campaign for <laughs> that I've seen uh, to be on your first million. And, and you let me know that um, something has happened recently in your life that um, warranted being on the show. And so, what I want to first do is say, what is your name and your occupation? And then we'll get into what happened. 
Yes. So my name is Avery Francis. I'm the founder and CEO of a company by the name of Bloom, and we are a workplace design consultancy. And what we do is we help companies build the best workplace experiences. Yes. And you're, are you based in Toronto? Based in Toronto, and we support companies uh, globally, but primarily most of our clients are in North America at the moment. <laughs> and so this is a company that you own that you started yourself and own correct yes okay yeah and did you recently have uh, a million dollar um event yes we hit our first million uh i never thought i genuinely had a hard time wrapping my head around that ever happening because there's so many ups and downs as you know as an entrepreneur um that you know, sometimes can force you to even wanting to quit or to walk away. Uh, but yeah, we made it. And during a time where I, at the beginning of all this uh, with the pandemic and everything, I was concerned if we would even exist today. So to yeah. make it to a million during 2020 is pretty wild. So that's, that. hence the, the, the freak out and the public celebration on Twitter. <laughs> so uh, the million, was that all in 2020 or was it uh, across a few years? It was across a year and uh, four months. So, wow. yeah. So we're te technically speaking, we are a year and a half old. So I started uh, Bloom in uh, tw 2019, the beginning of 2019. And mm -hmm. here we are. Amazing. It's, um, th this podcast was started in June of 2019. And I think about, mm. so if it, if it's, it was around that time and you got started and now you're at a million in revenue, can you talk a little bit more then, and correct, congratulations on doing that. Are you investor backed or is it all bootstrapped or a combination? All bootstrapped. All bootstrapped. So you're going to get the attention of a lot of people um, <laughs> because that, that's what I talk about in my online course. Um, mm -hmm. at, you can find it at arlenwashere.teachable.com. Talk about bootstrapping so much. It's kind of the course is called How to Raise Capital for Your Startup, but it's really a Trojan horse to how to bootstrap. So, this is going yeah. to be really, really informative for people. First of all, what is the product that you sell or the service that you sell? Yeah, so the services we work with uh, scaling and growing organizations that are looking to build better workplace experiences for their people, uh, whether it be the people that are currently within their team or the people that they're looking to hire. Uh, and then we also do a lot around scaling. So we have like four pillars of the, the work that we do. The one is recruiting and uh, hiring uh, and talent advisory is what we call it. Uh, the other is HR advisory, so fractional HR support for companies that are wanting to build really fantastic HR systems early on uh, and or companies that are later in stage and they're wanting to revamp um, and you know move closer to a place of offering a modern workplace experience and a modern HR kind of edge to what the work that they do we do employer branding and then the last and, and one that's I think been uh, very important over the last year um, has been the uh, our bloom experiences which is a modern learning and growth opportunities and experiences for companies that are wanting to pursue collective or individual growth. Uh, in that, we do a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, advisory, as well as uh, learning and growth opportunities. And we call them experiences because a lot of these are meant to be ongoing learning journeys versus just a one-stop training. And what size companies are usually the, those who come to you? Yeah, so this is, we've been actually moving up market. When we initially started, my bias was heavily uh, towards 
small and to mid-sized companies that were in the tech startup space. But we've been attracting a lot of organizations outside of that, on the fringe of that. And it's been so rewarding to work outside of what I initially thought was our the, the, the people that I wanted to be doing this thing with. And we've been working with non-for-profits in the mental health space, um, you know, high growth e-commerce companies that sell bikinis <laughs> to, uh, to uh, blockchain companies. Uh, so we really work um, across many different industries uh, for all. I think that it's more so about what we do versus who we work. Well, actually it is a lot about who we work with, but it's more so about working with values aligned organizations uh, and helping them to build better. Mm-hmm. So, so different sizes. So if someone's listening now, for instance, and they're um, a CEO of a company um, yeah. and they're interested already based on what you've said, is there, is there a kind of a cutoff of size or either lower or high that they should? Yeah, be- that's a Yeah, that's a good question. So I think that generally speaking, um, we work with companies upwards of around like two to 3000 people. Generally speaking, I'd say our sweet spot is between that um, dependent on where you're at. If we're if we're working on the recruiting and talent advisory side, like we're working with companies like Deloitte that are like huge organizations. Uh, So yeah, I think that like the sweet spot from a learning experience perspective would be upwards of the 500 point. But when it comes to our talent advisory, uh, we've been working with a lot of large organizations that and making a really big impact. So upwards yeah. to that 500 person mark, I think. And how many people are on your team? So this time last year, we were one person, me. <laughs> and now we are um, with, with two consultants. And now we are upwards. We have nine people on the team hmm. now. How much would you say is manual and people and all of that? And how much is a, a tech component to what you do, an automated component? Mm. A lot of it is people focused. Um, I think that a lot of where we're getting wrong in the world of like work, workplace experiences, hiring, um, is that we're trying to over-engineer these the, and, and, and over-solve for these problems with tech. And, and as we know, as we've seen with different case studies, is it's actually creating more uh, friction and more challenges for us as it relates to things like bias um, and, and privilege and, and who, gets, who gets looked at, who doesn't. So uh, yeah, we're, we're very, I'd say, on the manual side in terms of the way that we work and the advisory we offer, mainly because there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, the biggest challenge that I see is or, or the biggest um, the biggest like misstep that I see that companies make when it comes to this type of work is they copy what Amazon does or they copy what Google does they copy what other large organizations that they're impressed by do and what happens is that doesn't necessarily work for them and it's not really true to them so what happens is they don't necessarily live by that way of working and uh, it creates a bit of a mess of an entire like people experience and the impact is directly on people so it's best to actually co-design those types of experiences and the way of working so it best suits them and is reflective of their culture values now because this is about your first million we're going to talk a little bit about the kind of structure of this um whatever you're comfortable talking about how many clients would you say it took to get to a million dollars in revenue Uh, that's a great question so it took us about 20 or 25 clients to get to Mm -hmm. a million in revenue Yeah. And your background before this, before you launched, because I think a lot of people will be interested to know, okay, we understand you launched one and a half, two years ago, but where did, where did this idea even come from? Mm -hmm. What was your background, um, your professional background to start? 
Yeah. So I started working in recruiting and HR when I was 18 years old and I'm 32 now. So I spent a lot of time in this industry. My first salary job was as a um, receptionist at a recruitment agency. And I think that that's where this idea really started. It was really humbling um, kind of coming out of school and graduating into a recession in 2009 and um, you know, working at the front line of a lot of folks uh, looking to gain new opportunities, newcomers to Canada that were looking to build a better life for them and their families and seeing the sacrifices that folks that are like highly skilled people and talented people moving from all over the world to come to Canada that were, you know, doctors, engineers, um, physicians, specialists, uh, moving to Canada and then having to like work in a warehouse and slice a box open for nine hours straight uh, for minimum wage, uh, being told when they could go to the washroom, right? Like they had like scheduled washroom breaks at these warehouses, like horrendous um, in terms of like feeling free and empowered at work. It just was non-existent in those spaces. And it was a big wake up call for me to think that the world of work was fair and equitable and that everyone that was an adult or a grown up was getting paid, you know, a certain amount uh, of a living wage, so to speak, and realizing very quickly that that's not the case. And it was from that moment on that I kind of feel like I scratched my way to where I am now. Uh, to build better workplace experiences for everyone. But I think that my, my background really like growing into recruiting, I, I started my career in general labor recruiting, have moved into working at tech and leading talent um, and, and HR with some big tech companies. But I've had a couple of really not so great workplace experiences along the way. Um, and it was uh, uh, an assault uh, issue at one workplace and then feeling bullied at another that led me to just feeling not so safe at work anymore, um, not feeling really empowered or secure and figuring I just want to build build this, build better workplace experiences for everyone. I want people to feel the way that I felt. Mm. So were you, when you first kicked this off in 2019, mm. were you at another company at the time or had that been, had there been time where you were off? Yeah, so I was technically off for five months before I started. I was consulting with another organization that does similar work to what we do um, and super grateful for that experience because had I not had that experience, I wouldn't have seen in real time, in live action, that it's it can be done. Yeah. Um, so I partnered with a friend of mine that we had kind of like grown up in the Toronto tech scene, working in the HR and talent space uh, together. And, um, you know, she wanted to move away from offering talent and recruiting because uh, it's tough, <laughs> but I love it. I think it's great. Um, and I wanted to offer a little bit more of a fuller scope. So after not having an oper- not working for five months, I was kind of in survival mode. I had to make money. Um, so I went on Twitter, which is funny because this led us to us talking today, went on Twitter and talked about a friend that I was looking to help support in their career journey. And that resulted in our first hundred thousand in revenue. So, um, so talk about the first hundred, you said first hundred thousand. In revenue. Yeah. So talk about yeah. that a little bit. Um, cause it sounds like that was really organic and you were experimenting and, and I mean, I know from talking to thousands of startup founders and also people who uh, either go through my course or who I just talk to in general, that pivoting or taking the first step or even believing that you're the person to do this thing, that's like the biggest challenge before, Mm -hmm. you know, the first five years, really. What would you say was that, was it having the partnership? Was it, what was it that really, the one or two things that really drove you to be able to do the first 100,000? 
Um, my role really hasn't changed that much. I'm just not necessarily um, committed to one individual company right now. So having led talent uh, in the in the past, uh, it was one of those things where you know I I was doing this work. I was advising founders and you know leaders at organizations how to build better workplaces, and then having moved into, you know I was actually I parted ways from a company just because I was hired on. It's a long story, but essentially I was assaulted at work. That I ended up scrambling to find a new job. When I went and found this other job, I started working there. It obviously wasn't the right, um, it wasn't complementary to my skill set. It wasn't the right role for me. It wasn't the right company. But because of, you know, what I was leaving, I wasn't really paying attention to all the cues. Um, and most people, I think the assumption is, is that everyone has these opportunities to think very carefully and cautiously and thoughtfully about their next career move. But uh, most people actually don't have that opportunity because they're looking to pay their rent or their mortgage or their, their bills or support their kids. So I kind of scrambled, went to this other startup. It wasn't the right spot for me. And it was my friend uh, at the time who was like, you should join me, uh, do this consulting thing. So I was already doing the work uh, as an independent consultant, uh, but I, I wanted to kind of build it out more. I wanted to finesse it. I wanted to create my own structure and way of working around it. So there was a gap in working for five months where I didn't do or make any money. Um, so that's what kind of pushed me into the direction of like, I was kind of desperate to be fair. Like I wanted to do something. I wanted to get this off the ground and I simply could not imagine being in another workplace again, just couldn't do it. So I felt like I had no other choice, but just to, to move into this role of like founder and CEO of this company. And for those who are, have picked up on you mentioning uh, an assault a couple of times, is there anything mm -hmm. that you want to say about that? to anybody who, um, as, as much as you may talk about it in your work, um, mm -hmm. maybe to somebody who's hearing that and saying, I'm going through that right now. She mentioned it. I, I want to hear a little bit more about how you feel about that. Like, was there yeah. a solution to it or is there something you can say about getting through that? Yeah. So for me, I had a unique journey uh, navigating through that and healing from it. A part of the healing process for me is talking about it as I would anything else. Um, I don't feel shame anymore about what happened. And a part of that actually comes from feeling empowered to talk about it uh, more confidently and comfortably. I can understand how that may trigger some people. Um, but I think that my message to folks that are either in a situation where they're feeling unsafe uh, or they have been assaulted by, harassed, bullied, et cetera, any sort of unwanted misconduct within a workplace or they have moved through that uh, is that, you know, um, it, it's not your fault. Uh, it was not your fault. And it's uh, that you can heal from it and you can grow through it. Uh, and that there is a light on the end of the, at the end of the tunnel, everything that most people say. But I think that as I talk about healing though, uh, sometimes what is healing for some people isn't for others. For me, I healed through art. Uh, some other people have healed through therapy, through, you know, the support of psychologists. Mm -hmm. Find what helps you to heal and, oh, and what works for you. And you, you mentioned art, you are a painter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about your, your work <laughs> and what, what is your style? Uh, it's very fluid and I'd say emotional and creative. Uh, I use acrylics and just water them down and just pour them on a canvas uh, until I feel like it's done. Uh, it's interesting though, because I only paint when I'm depressed <laughs> or sad. Um, 
So I haven't painted in a long time. Uh, mm. It's been almost a year. It's, it's almost been a year and a half, actually, ironically, as long as I've had bloom. So maybe I'm okay. pouring I just, myself into bloom. Okay. Um, in this moment, I just found the next Pixar movie. It's yeah. about uh, someone who only paints when they're sad. <laughs> and it's called Bloom. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you're welcome. You're welcome. There's a love world that. there. There's a beautiful world there, right? Oh, totally. Uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, your decision, or maybe it wasn't a decision, I'd love to talk about it, though, to not take on outside funding. Was it, was it a decision that you just, that wasn't necessary? Or was it that, you know, talk a little bit about that thought process, if there was one in the early days. Um, there wasn't really a decision process. I just, um, and I think a part of me still believes this, that it's not maybe because it's not a physical product and it's a service that maybe we're not a company that people, uh, organizations, VCs would want to invest in. Although we partner with a lot of VCs um, and they definitely see the value in us supporting their portfolio companies and building and scaling their teams offer really fantastic HR practices from the very beginning because it does support their growth and success. Um, it, it's instrumental in it. But yeah, I, I think that there's a definitely a, 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 a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of doubt uh, in certain cases around whether that's possible for well, me. You know, I mean, this is, this is just my, my take on it. Um, yeah. having, being an investor and looking at thousands of companies, service companies as well as products and hearing your story and knowing, you know, the traction that you have, I believe you have a great company and a very viable company. But if I were you, I wouldn't take on outside funding. I keep mm. doing what all that you're doing right now <laughs> and keep hundred percent of that ownership and, and yeah. however you play that out because you're, you're bringing in revenue and it's good money and any of the VCs who um, would want to work with you are going to want you to be, become this huge company. And yeah. that's going to take away from the quality, in my opinion, this is all just my opinion, but it would probably take away from the quality of the work that you do with these, mm -hmm. these expectations that are just based on numbers alone. And that's not what it sounds like you are. And so I love the idea of you working with uh, accelerators, working with venture funds, working with all types of funding that have portfolios and that's how you're connected in that way. And, and because a lot of VC firms, um, part of their management fee, if it's a fund that is a $100 million fund or a $500 million fund or whatever, two, two to 3% of that amount per year is given to them as a management fee, given mm -hmm. to us, I say. And <laughs> that, and ours is very minimal, you know, m mine is a, is a bootstrap, so that's why I can talk like that. Um, <laughs> but it's given to us, uh, given to investors for their salaries, their overhead offices, et cetera. And if some of that, a lot of times people will etch out some, some space for services, for marketing, yeah. for this, that, and the other, and either provide that for their portfolio at large or put you in front of their portfolio to talk to all of their companies. And so that's where I think you grab, you grab the value. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm actually uh, invested in a couple of companies who have services that are, that, you know, cater to, to these size companies and 
they're struggling because mm -hmm. they are doing well under normal circumstances, but because mm -hmm. they're in the rat race of having investors, th their best isn't seen as good enough to the other investors. Mm -hmm. And that to me is yeah. just insane. So you're in a very um, strategic and leveraged position, in my opinion. And I would mm -hmm. hope that you continue on that trajectory because I want to see you at your $10 million a year company and that's all going internally. That's what I yeah. Yeah, I think that like, so for us right now, um, as I, because we, we've definitely, we've had a couple of companies express interest, but we don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm a, a bit of a control freak and I have a very high, high standards um, for what we do and the work that we, uh, the work that we offer because the, 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 the receiving end um, of what we do and how we work are people. Um, and I look at that extending to their family, to their lives, to how confident they feel, how empowered they feel. And I, um, I'm very selective about who we partner with. There's been, I think that we probably actually could have done just this year, uh, a couple million in revenue had we say yes, said yes to, um, a bunch of organizations that have reached out to us, uh, to do specific types of work. Um, but they're organizations that, just aren't aligned uh, yeah. uh, that 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 wouldn't work for us. And there was actually one interesting situation that came up where we announced a partnership. And because I'm so vocal about our values and where our, what my thoughts are and, and what my opinions are, uh, there was a person that uh, two, actually three people that reached out to me um, within probably an hour of me sharing this tweet announcing this new company that we started partnering with, and all three of them were women of color that had worked within the organization, uh, and they identified as uh, having some not so great workplace experiences there. One being pretty serious, so we actually went back to the company, and despite the due diligence that we had done, they'd kind of slipped through um, our rigorous, uh, you know, process in terms of evaluating the values alignment. And we decided we actually turned. We ended up canceling the contract yeah. immediately. Yeah, and that we that can't integrity, do that. That integrity yeah. is is not. It's it's rare. But my yeah. question is this: in your business of working with companies to kind of make for a better workplace do you feel that that particular company and others like it just they they can't get better with your help i think that there are companies out there that could get better i think that awareness and understanding and having the context actually helps a lot and that's the reason why we launched uh, bloom experiences because i think that through education and through having some of these tough conversations and through embarking on these collective and individual learning experiences people can grow to a point where they actually understand why there are certain aspects of things that are important you know why it's important to talk about bias as it relates to the interview process why it's important to talk about microaggressions at work you know what systemic oppression looks like, you know, like those fundamental things that people, leaders specifically need to understand so they can actually move in the right direction collectively together. But without that understanding, it's so hard to move an organization in the right direction. Um, but to answer your question, when I think about like, there are, there are specific behaviors, right? And feedback sometimes we get about founders that are just like, in my opinion, inexcusable. And they're just like, and in this case, there were situations that I just couldn't get behind. And I think that those types of behaviors, when it's like common sense, those are the those are the situations and the the types of uh, you know environments and, and founders that we don't want to necessarily partner with. Yeah, because it, it, to me it was like a no brainer. <laughs> and it sounds like there's some people who, if they don't have that self awareness, to say, look, we have had issues in the past. There will be mm -hmm. in, uh, employees who say that they have not had a good experience here. We need your help. 
will you totally. give us that? That's different than sweeping it under the rug. It doesn't even show up in your diligence. And maybe they think that by hiring you, they've sort of checked, uh, checked a mark that yeah. says, oh, we, we're, we're good. And that puts all of that on onto you as, as the woman of color to uh, have to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, and I think that also when we join organizations and we help them embark on this learning experience, oftentimes the people that identify the same as me are looking to me for things to change. Um, and, and that puts a whole other added level of pressure and um, expectation. And, and I think it adds a lot of emotions uh, into the work that we do. Uh, so it's, it's been a, it's been a heavy year. It's been a hard year for sure. Like with the work that we've been doing, but we've made a really big impact, which is, which is great. What do you think 2021 looks like for you all? Or what do you hope? Uh, more growth. Uh, probably some, a couple more folks will be added to the team. Uh, we have a lot of really exciting, I love marketing and advertising and the creative stuff. Um, so we're, we've, we have a lot of really fun things planned in terms of how we can make our services and what we offer more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. 2021 more growth. I think that we'll likely probably have another, like we did, like, I I don't mind talking about money, but in our first year we did, like we did, we did a fraction of what we did, we did this year. Like we almost hit a million. We're so close. (laughs) So we could have hit our first million in like within this year. Uh, And I'm hoping that maybe we'll do that next year. And I told the team that we'll go to Disney (laughs) together if that happens. Yeah, that's very cool. And uh, before before we wrap up, I, I, I know there's someone asking this because it just kind of came to my mind. Yeah. When you first got that first client, mm-hmm. how, what is that step that you took? Like, how does someone who's, you know, they have a service company, they have a B2B service company, mm-hmm. and they just don't know how to get that first sort of five-figure client? Is yeah. there anything that you could say to them, um, not so much giving away the, the all of the magic, but something that people may not think about? Yeah. So um, listen, listen very closely. Uh, not you it, now, <laughs> but people in general, uh, listen uh, really closely to your client and it will grow. Uh, I had uh, one mentor, I have a mentor and we had, we've only had one conversation as a result of like COVID and just things. And her, her advice to me, her name's Heather Payne, and she runs a coding um, school uh, and an educational school called, uh, uh, it's called Juno. It used to be called um, uh, gosh, a lady, a ladies learning, uh, ladies learning code. Uh, anyway, uh, we moved into this and she gave me this advice to listen to what your clients say that they want listen to what they're looking for, listen to some of the challenges and the, 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 the things that they're looking to solve for and build for that, iterate on that, offer that to them. And that's what I've been doing. And that is literally how we, we have survived through 2020 and, and grown substantially uh, during this year. So listen. Wow. Um, great advice. And sometimes people don't even, you know, it's something people don't think about um, because they think that they have to have all the answers mm-hmm. for, for people, but that's, that's wonderful advice. Is there anything else that we should know about you or your company um, before we tell people how to reach you and see more of your work? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that I've seen you say, uh, and I actually had it as like, I have it on my desk. Uh, it says, uh, it, well, you say do more with less. I have mm-hmm. this, you can do more with less. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. It is, it's the only sticky note I have on my computer. And uh, that's a message that I want to share with folks that are in similar positions as I am uh, that are looking to grow their company. You don't need to have like a marketing team, creative sales. We don't have a sales team and we hit over a million in revenue very quickly. So I'm thinking that uh, I think it's important that people know and feel empowered to believe that you can do more with less. That's an awesome, awesome way to end this uh, conversation. I know it's been very helpful to me and I'm hopefully, hoping it'll be very helpful to others. How do people learn more about you, reach out to you, um, uh, see you on Twitter and other, and other places? <laughs> I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Avery Francis. So my full name, Avery Francis on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email me. I'm very accessible and my DMs are open, happy to chat and connect. Go ahead and spell your full name so that people um, could write it down. Awesome. So it's at Avery, A-V-E-R-Y, Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S. So at A-V-E-R-Y, F-R-A-N-C-I-S on Twitter and Instagram. And if someone wants to hire you or get more information about your actual services uh, website that they should go to? Yes. So it's uh, www.buildwithbloom.com, B-U-I-L-D-W-I-T-H-B-L-O-O-M.com. Uh, you can see all the work that we do, the companies we've worked with there. And then of course you can reach out directly via our website, which is brand new. We did a rebrand this year and it's really cool. Little labor of love. Great website. Actually, <laughs> um, I actually clicked off of you know the person who built it to see if they would work with me <laughs> oh andrea she's yeah so good. can you can you, can so you hook me up can you ask her to, to reach out to me because i'd love to talk to her totally totally she's in demand i'll definitely put i'm happy to put you in contact okay. with her she's awesome great well thanks so much avery this has been really really um um really informative and, and interesting conversation and i appreciate um i appreciate you giving us all of your time yeah, thank you. I'm happy. I'm honored. Honestly, thank you so much for reaching out and responding to my Twitter, <laughs> to my tweet. All, all day. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Arlen, and this is your first million. If you're listening to this, I just want to wish you a happy holiday season. I know this year has been wacky. If you're listening to this in 2021, hopefully things are better. I'm knocking wood. Okay. Uh, Just wanted to let you know about something very cool. I just uploaded and launched a brand new online course. It's a less than two hour course. So it's it's very different from my main course that I have. Uh, Think of it as an appetizer. No dessert? No? Okay, I'm gonna stop. Uh, It's a course that does a deep dive into the $100,000 that I have generated in income since April, the first six months or so of my main online course. So um, it gives you all the details, the stats, The traction numbers um, gives you a little bit of information about how I launched the course and a few things you can use yourself to launch. The idea for this course was to make it under two hours so you could finish it in one day and so that you can get started right away, whatever you decide to do. Um, Some people, I think, will take the information and will start their own course and have a little bit of supplemental income throughout the year, which, which never hurts. 
other people I think might might consider doing some sort of affiliate program because I talk about that a little bit in the course. And while others will just probably observe and add it to the information that they have um, about courses, about generating income, maybe something for their own company, etc. Uh, one thing to note is that in my main course, if you're not a student of it, you may not know this, I talk a lot about bootstrapping and I talk a lot about finding ways to generate income so that you do not have to necessarily raise from outside sources or raise as much or as soon. And so this is one more thing to add to that, one more way you could do that. So let's say you have a company that does um, that is a, a SaaS platform that helps people uh, write better copy for their for their um, websites or something like that. It's automated. Maybe it uses AI. Well, if you're bootstrapping for that company or you're going around looking for funding, and you're also generating revenue, one thing you could do is start an online course to teach other people uh, a specific thing um, that you that they could get for a little bit cheaper if they were to do it themselves, if you could teach them how to do it themselves. So you're staying in the same lane and the same topic as your main company, but you're supplementing some of that income. So that to me is just this interesting idea I've been thinking about all year because so many of us were just knocked off of our feet with COVID and the economy and this is one of those ways that you have greater control of your destiny and your circumstances. So go to arlenwashere.teachable, T-E-A-C-H-A-B-L-E, dot com slash courses, C-O-U-R-S-E-S. There are three courses listed. It's the last one. It's a $100 course. And of course, you can look at any of the courses that are there. But this new one is $100. It's less than two hours. And I think it really gets the creative juices flowing, gives you great ideas to get going. And it's really meant to be a primer for launching your own course. And um, many of you will, will make the $100 back at the first time that you put a course out there just within a few days. So... Um, happy, happy learning and thanks for listening. Hey, it's Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. Your First Million is produced by Anna Aikinawa, executive producer Arlen Hamilton, associate producer Chacho Valadez.